welcome back to the second episode of another one for the void uh i'm david this is stephanie uh in the second episode it's gonna pick up a lot faster than the first episode the first book of dune is a lot of setup for the world so it's a little dry and you know of course that's gonna make the episode we're talking about dry this one shit starts popping off shit starts getting interesting so it's gonna be a lot more exciting a lot more fun things happen so we're starting with right where we left off the duke just met the planetologist who's an ecologist for arrakis dune uh and they're gonna go out into the deep desert and uh they're in an ornithopter which is this uh, helicopter thing that has wings bug yeah it's like bug, maybe it it doesn't explicitly talk about how the wings are set up but i get the idea of like a fucking dragonfly yeah like they flap yeah, they flap and they talk about how they're flying them and how, like, you know, the, 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 the intricacies of, you know, the movements they're doing and whatever. Frank Herbert's a fucking nerd. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're in what is called an ornithopter. The Duke Paul, Gurney Halleck, and the planetologist Keens. And they're going out to look for spice, you know, the, the drug, the miracle, magical drug of Arrakis. Like, fucking cocaine and fucking gasoline in one. It's awesome turns your eyes blue if you take too much and you get addicted you die son it's everywhere on the planet and the big important thing about it is that wherever there's spice there's always worms yeah there's a uh we're not gonna go into it just yet but there's some type of relation between the spice and the worms they don't and they haven't express explicitly talked about it in the book but it's hinted at here and there so far and um specifically in this this chapter paul asks some pointed questions to the planetologist Keens, and there's this mm, underlying idea that Keens might be more than he seems. He's also what is called the judge of change because the fiefdom of Arrakis is transitioning between the Baron Hawkonnen and Duke Leto Atreides. So the judge of change is there to make sure it goes well because they're mortal enemies and the Duke has fucking sworn a fucking like dual thing called Kanale against him and it's like this formal agreement that they have that they're not going to harm anyone outside of the personal house of the you know House Harkonnen or House Atreides. And the Judge of Change is the Imperial guy who's seeing over it, which is Keynes, the planetologist. So he has some power here for, you know, waiting into it. And it's the first meeting between the Duke and the Judge. And the Duke knows that the, the Judge reports back to the Emperor because the Emperor is the Imperium. So he's like a wary and they're feeling each other out. And Paul keeps asking these fucking pointed, pointed questions at him. And he's like, man, fuck this kid. Like, yeah, stop <laughs> fucking my day up. Basically, well, Keynes was already not a fan because they pulled him aside before meeting him. And he was like, hey, remember, you can't just talk to him informally. You have to give him status when you talk to him. My Duke Lord. Or, which is, I know, something added also that I've never heard referred to as royalty, noble-born. Royalty can be referred to as noble-born. So, you see that early in the book, actually. Earlier in the book, actually, with Jessica and shout-out, maybe the Fremen who helps her when she comes to Arrakis. 
uh, set up the house, she refers to her as Nobleborn. And Jessica is not Nobleborn. She is Benny Gesserit and also a concubine, not a true uh, duchess. Wow. Fucking pulled that shit out for a second. Forgot one. I was like, what's a female duke? Uh, a duchess. She's not a duchess. So uh, shout out Mabies is like, oh, Nobleborn Jessica. And she's like, oh, uh, I appreciate the respect. But I'm just a whore. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the first that that's where we're starting. And um, yeah, so they go out there and into the desert and they see this, uh, this, this spice factory that's fucking churning up the sand, digging up the spice. And, you know, they're asking questions, uh, Paul specifically, you know, about the worms and about, uh, you know, where they live and. Uh, whatever, you know, and how the worms are in the desert itself as well. And, the, you know, fucking Keynes is answering him, but, you know, he's like kind of annoyed. One of the, uh, one of the things I didn't talk about is uh, the, the book shifts perspective in chapter. Like one chapter is not just Paul's perspective or just Jessica's perspective. In conversation, it'll shift perspective. And that's something I like. It, you know, adds intricacy to the interactions. Because you don't have to, like, you know, rehash an interaction afterwards to get the other person's perspective in the narrative. But yeah. Um, so worm signs is like a, it's a signal for the worms at, that you can see in the sand. It's like a wave, like something underneath the surface of like water and it's moving like right at the surface. You can see the wave and it makes noise. There's a really cool concept because the worms are fucking massive. They're huge. They're like, fuck, some of them can grow to like 400 football fields in length. And they have a giant gaping maw of these silver crystalline fucking teeth, which they make, the Fremen make their fucking knives out of in this like weird religious, it's cool as fuck, all right? How like, do you even get the teeth though? They don't fucking talk about no, it. No, they don't. They, they, I really need to, not, I need to know. Not, not once, so they're like, yeah, we kill these giant worms and then just take the teeth. They don't fucking talk about it. I don't well, know if they find them. They mention how like, you know, if you want to get a, a worm dead, you have to like zap it, each segment of it, for it to be completely destroyed, but you know, how how much manpower do you need for that? I'm not exactly sure where this is talked about. I don't think it's in this part, but I'm just going to drop these facts right now because we're talking about worms. The worms aren't just animals. They're like half plant, half animals, and they have this life cycle that is key for Arrakis and the desert. Um, we'll talk about that a little more later when we get into Spice and the Fremen and, you know, their culture. But the worms are... I have drive the ecological systems on arrakis um so yeah uh they're in the up in the fucking ornithopter the fucking flying helicopter thing and uh they ask about like how do you see a worm how do there's these uh the, the factory has spotting spotting ornithopters around them as well and they're looking out for the worm signs and then there's also something called a carry-all which carries the factory around because it can't outrun a fucking worm um nothing can so yeah uh they see a worm sign and uh they you know radio it in and uh, apparently there's like a spotting bonus and yeah. like journey is like duke i'm like i think you should give that to the the, the boys down there you know because uh, whoever gets the spotting bonus you know that's a nice thing so you know he does and Keens kind of doesn't like it because you know it shows him uh this whole chapter 
is about the Duke being altruistic. Altruistic. Um, good. Uh, selfless. Mm. But selfless. it's fake. It's propaganda. It sure is. It's propaganda. It might not truly be fake, because the Duke doesn't need the money. No. And he does it because it still benefits him. Yeah, but everyone's at... It's supposed to show that he's altruistic. And he is. He is the Duke, one of my problems with the Duke, uh, from a character standpoint, from Frank Herbert, he's very... Oh, he's a flat character. Yeah. He, he's a flat character. Like... Uh, he's interesting, don't get me wrong, you know, he's this, you know, important figure for Paul and his journey in growing up, but there's not a whole, there's not a chasm of depth, the Duke's character that you, you get to see. He's supposed to be this role model and, you know, the, the idealistic leader for this house, and he is mirrored and foiled by the Baron Harkonnen, who's this disgusting fat pig guy who... <laughs> is so just rotund and massive that he has to his weight is picked up by suspensers like wh what did you think of the baron when you first get introduced to him in the book i mean they just say that he's nasty and i'm like okay i guess he's nasty <laughs> like frank hits that shit hard like he wants everyone to know baron dirty baron dirty baron dirty and i think it's interesting i think that the choice of words because uh because their titles, the, the Duke and the Baron, aren't their true title in the Imperium. It's what they have basically applied to the other title they have. Um, I think it was the right word choice from Frank Herbert. Like, you know, step back, look at it as a, uh, an author's perspective, you know, or if you're writing it yourself. I think having the bad guy be Baron, it has like, it almost has dread to it. Where the Duke, Duke feels like a little lighter. I don't know if I'm just, you know, it's just me, but like, I felt like that thinking about it i don't know i'm just surprised that he talks so much shit about him being so fucking nasty but he doesn't really talk about everyone else's appearances as much like he'll just touch on it and then he'll move on real quick but for the for him he was just like nasty fat big gross <laughs> he hits their appearances once unless it's a key to their character hmm. um like the Baron, he keeps hitting the Baron as being nasty and gross. He keeps talking about the Duke in these hawkish features, talking about how the Duke has, you know, this like a uh, this uh, widow's peak hairline and you know uh, a, a variety of other things that you know allude to him being a hawk esque. He talks about Jessica. Jessica is a self insert from himself from of his wife. His wife is Jessica's description in the book from real life, and um. So yeah, no, Jessica's appearance is talked about at the very start of the book, and you know, every time other characters, you know, see her and are uh, fall for her, um, they talk about their appearance a little bit. But other than that, the appearances aren't really talked about unless they're vital to the character. You know, it's an it's a aspect of the character he wants to highlight, and you know, it comes a little heavy-handed with the Baron. So you know, I mean, we're going to you know, get back into the, you know, what happens here. But, so... We got the Spice Factory. It's yeah. getting, it's mining the shit. The Duke sees the worm sign. Yeah. And then, you know, the carry-all, which is supposed to, you know, get the factory, just fucking isn't responding. So, like, what happens next? You, you, you take over here. Oh, no. Um, it's, it's a big problem. He wants to save them. And, they're, and everyone's fighting. 
they think it's a bad idea that he wants to save them. And he's like, no, we got to do it. We got to go in and find them and get them all out because these men are important. And he was just like driving this home. And the men are important because the men are. who work the sand to get the spice are, you know, it's a specific um, job set. You have to have a specific amount of you know, skills to do it. And a lot of them, we didn't touch on this uh, the first part, but a lot of them, when when the changeover happened between Baron and Baron Harkonnen and, and the Duke, left arrakis and now he has limited supply of men and limited equipment to get this spice and his entire job from you know from the imperium is to make sure the spice is flowing the spice is not flowing the empire is not running it is the lifeblood of civilization and that's why it's so vital it is so vital to everything the spice permeates the universe not only the 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 Guild navigators use it to see the future in this very small, prescient ways so they can navigate without, you know, running into an asteroid or destroying their ships. Um, it's important that the, the, it's got geriatric, it always talked about geriatric purposes, which is life extending. It is life extending properties. The, the, the emperor is referred to by his daughter, Irulan, in one of the parts before a chapter about him, the emperor, actually being like 77, but not looking a day over 30. So, spice intake will extend your life. It is vital to the Bene Gesserit as well. They use it for their truth-saying drug and also an awareness drug for the revered mother, mother ceremony. But we're going to touch, touch the revered mother ceremony in the next episode. You know, we'll get to that, you know, whatever, but it's important. It's an important commodity. Would you, would you take spice? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about having a cinnamon taste the first time no. and never tasting the same afterwards. Yeah. Each time you have it is different. Uh, I'd be very worried that I would like get addicted and then I'm just like, now I have to have it or else it's fucking belly up for David. Yeah, I guess so. But it's in everything. So, I mean, as long as you're like, it's in everything on Arrakis. Oh, it's in everything yeah. on Arrakis. But they're living there. Well, so. yeah, they are. But I'm not saying we're Paul. You know, we could be a fucking citizen. <laughs> you know, there are hundreds of other planets. We don't even have to be, you know, involved with, uh, uh, you know, either of the House of Harkonnen or House of Atreides. There's other houses, other minor houses. There's a whole, whole bunch of shit. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's hundreds, actually. Don't quote me. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a bunch of other planets. There's at least, like, seven planets they talk about in the first book of Arrakis. There's uh, Caladan, Trades Homeworld, Gaiety Prime, the Harkonnen Homeworld. There's Arrakis. There's Seleucia Segundus, the Homeworld, hey. uh, House Corn, the Imperium, and also the Homeworld of the Sardaukar, the Legion of the Imperial Army. That you know is these elite fighting force, and it's all about this idea that Seleucia Segundus is this prison planet, and that's what makes them this elite fighting force. And then there's like three other planets they talk about, and we're, we're going to talk about those planets next episode a little bit. They kind of involve Seleucia Segundus as well in that conversation. But so yeah, Duke decides he's going to save the fucking guys on the carryall. Kynes fucks with that. He's like, okay, because of that, I have respect for him. Yeah, it's like, you know, yeah. he's starting to feel it. He's starting to feel like the, you know, the Duke rubbing him over the pants. You know, he's starting to get... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> starting, to, sure. starting to warm up a little bit. <laughs> um, 
Gurney doesn't like it because it puts the Duke in harm's way. But the second, you know, Gurney finally gets on board with it, he's like, all right, it's balls to the wall. They're, like, they're throwing shit out of the ornithopters. They're fucking getting all these people on the fucking, and, you know, it's last second also because, you know, they hear the worm. It's coming. It's this fucking sand fucking noise. And, uh, and so that's got to be like this looming fucking thing while you're trying to rush to get this fucking carryall or save these people on the carryall. It's literally the clock is ticking and you hear it as it's grating your fucking ears. Um, they do. They, they get off, but interesting enough, two people were left on the sand, but they didn't get swallowed by the... They didn't get swallowed by the worm. And Paul asks a very pointed question. Do you remember? It's to Keens about the men on the sand. He was asking about how they got away? He asked why there were Fremen on the carryall. Oh. Or not the carry-all, the uh, Spice Factory, which shows, this is like the moment where Keen's like, all right, fuck this kid. He sees too much. And it plays into his legend, the legend that, you know, the Fremen have, that um, the Fremen have a legend set up from the Bene Gesserit called, the Bene Gesserit have the, the black arm of the Bene Gesserit is what it's called. It's this propaganda core that sets up legends and, uh primitive societies so they can ho hopefully manipulate them at some point in the future if it's need to be so the benny gesserit have set up this you know the, the mission protectivia has set up this legend and it's kind of been incorporated that a benny gesserit woman will bear a child and come to arrakis and that child will be the lisan al-gaib or the one the voice from the outer worlds and all these Fremen think that Paul is. It's already talked about earlier a little bit because they keep cha chanting these things at him when he's like in mates. public. Yeah. Oh, and you know, she's, you know, all of the Fremen, like Fremen, Fremen characters, not the people who just live on Iraq. Yeah. There's a difference. All of the Fremen characters who see Paul and know that he's the child of a Benny Gesserit, all under their breath. Oh, we saw him. Or, uh, Madi, Madi is uh, the, another name for the the uh, the, uh, uh, the the idea of their oh, Messiah, yeah. not the name he adopts later, which is kind of close, which is a little annoying, Frank. Like, why yeah. the fuck do they both start M A? Fuck you, Frank. Um, so yeah, um, the fr there's 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 native Iraqians that get picked up on the ship, and he, you know, Paul asks how did he ask why there were Fremen on the, the factory and, you know, Keen's fucking, you know, like, shut the fuck up. They're not, <laughs> I don't know. You just saw something. You didn't see anything. Like, you know, yeah. it wasn't, it was nothing. Shut up. But you know, the and two, Paul picks that up and he's like, why the fuck is he lying to me? But oh, it doesn't challenge him. He doesn't because that's, you know, it's the faints within faints. You know, yeah. Keen's has let off too much. And one of the Fremen guys is like staring at Paul and Gurney gets all fucking sideways about it, but he's wrong. He doesn't understand. He thinks Gurney thinks that he, Paul offended the guy. But he didn't. He's in awe because he thinks he's literally sitting next to his messiah. Yeah. And the other one says like Liat, which is this 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 religious leader of the Fremen, Liat. Liat. They keep they reference it here and there, talking the Fremen talking about the leader of the Fremen and Keens fucking shoots the guy a fucking glare, like, shut up, bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ, could this be going any worse? So, you know. That's about the end of the chapter, you know. They safely get back to it, and you know, not much more conversation. Gertie starts playing a song. Gertie's always playing a song. I don't know. I mean, like, I guess it's his thing. He's ugly. 
sad. He's he's <laughs> ugly. He's a little sad, and he plays music, and he's always got a quote. Uh, that's his vibe. That's his. That's what he's that's, in the, that's what he is in the chapter. He's a loyal soldier. He's the good soldier. Um, but that's what Gurney's doing every fucking chapter. I promise you, he's playing his bassinet, which is like a guitar, but not. Space guitar. Bassinet. Space guitar. Space guitar. Sick as I don't fucking remember. I, don't know. I didn't write it down. Sorry, guys. You'll just have to read the book, I fucking guess. Um, so, next chapter we're going to hit is where shit really begins to pop off. And, you know, you start seeing, like, the more interesting things in Dune's writing is this dinner party. And there's all these interesting characters that are invited to it that are minor, but, you know, it is... Yeah. It is the first, I think, true example of multiple sides in a conversation and each sides of the conversation using feints within feints within feints just the same way they fight with knives in Arrakis or in Dune, I mean, the, the, the book, uh, the same way they, they have conversations. And it's crucial. There's the, the, the big players in this, you know, on one side, you have the Duke, his son, Paul and Lady Jessica. On the other side, you have uh, the planetologist Keens and the smuggler Took, who Gurney Halleck kind of invited, you know, underhanded. The people who know things, on, the, the, the players on Arrakis know who he is. But it's this maybe mistake to invite him because, you know, it's the Duke acknowledging that the smugglers are okay on the planet and he, he gets that they're doing what they're doing, even though it's fucking illegal. They're smugglers. It's in their title. Yeah. You know, they're, uh, they're spice smugglers to be specific. They're not, you know, I mean, they probably smuggle shit onto Arrakis, but they're spice smuggling. This is a big concern for Jessica because she's like, if you're inviting them, people are going to think that you're going to enforce your power using the smugglers. Yeah, it's like, you know, might be a bad look uh basically not he understands that he's gonna have to deal with them in a political some type of political way whether he accepts them and you know asks for a cut of the spice they mine which is probably the best thing to do it but he might want to just do that under the table and not in public but it's a choice the duke makes and then on you know they're kind of aligned there's a hint later in the, in the dinner party that uh, the smuggler is taking keys uh, from Keens. That was a terrible. I should have said something else. Keens, keys from Keens. Um, and then there's the water merchant. He's on his own. You know, he's just this guy. He's like this the guy they play off of sometimes in the that dinner party. You have the spacer guild guy, the spacer guild banker, and I'm just gonna call him the banker from now or the guild banker. But um, he's important. And there's his companion, and then there's also this girl who's basically attached herself to Paul and she is the still suit manufacturer's daughter still suits the, the things that the people wear to prevent moisture loss. Apparently he's not Fremen and you know, anyone who knows anything wears Fremen still suits and not off world or still suits, but you know, whatever he's a character. I don't know if they say his name. He's not that fucking important. His daughter is more important than he is. So whatever, fuck it, right? Fuck that guy is what I'm saying. And that's what Frank said. Fuck that guy. Yeah. I'm not giving him a name. Um, so yeah. Do you remember how the dinner party starts off? They have a custom where the uh the Duke has to go ahead and dip his hands in the water, 
spill that on the floor and then they grab towels to pick up the water and then they donate that water or they just give out the the hand water soaked towels to beggars on the streets it is two parts one it is degrading to the people because the duke is so wealthy that or you know the rulers of arrakis are so wealthy that they don't have to worry about moisture preservation and that they're so wealthy that they can wash their hands and then just throw the water away and but then the flip side of oh it's charity because we you know we soak up the water with these towels and give it away but the duke he's through it when one of the assistants whatever the fuck they were i don't know i don't remember specifically what they are he's like we're fucking done with this shit we're not doing this shit anymore and she was mad he's like oh she was selling the towels on the side oh i fucked your hustle up i fucked your hustle up and then he gets mad and the dinner party starts you know he calls everyone to the table and you know the paul paul was surrounded by these young people and you know all of these people oh enamored with him he's the duke's son and you know the duke notices that paul will wear the mantle of duke well um and jessica and the duke are at like there there's a distance that the duke is intentionally set there and the distance is because you know the duke is trying to make it publicly inside of the house that he thinks that jessica might betray them because there's a a traitor among them they yeah. know there's a traitor among them and a lot of people suspect it to be jessica or not like a lot but how like, it thinks it's yeah. jessica gurney thinks it might be jessica fucking duncan idaho thinks it might be jessica all of these you know important characters inside of house atreides right suspect that she might be it and we'll, <laughs> we'll fucking see what happens um but you know uh the duke sits everyone down and he just starts making this speech and it's like awkward and not going well and everyone thinks he's drunk and He's angry, though, and he fucking reproaches all of them for, you know, the, the custom and, you know, talking about, you know, that him changing that custom there is, you know, going to be representative of himself going forth, forward that he's going to treat the people that are under his fiefdom with more respect than the Harkonnens because the Harkonnens are cruel right. and they use the cruelty to, as, a, as a cudgel. He also mentions how he wants to go ahead and make water so accessible that they don't have to go ahead and uh, try to hoard it or like contain it so much. It's not going to be a problem anymore. That's his goal. That's the faints with that's where the faints within faints start in this conversation and at the dinner is the Duke's plan for water to be accessible and the water merchant fucking's like this guy's a fucking <laughs> idiot. And, you know, he asks Keens, Keens and the water merchant go at it a little bit and there's like uh and so does the guild banker and uh there's like this back and forth and the guild banker kind of offends keens at one point and you know he you know he challenges him and he makes a sign to the smuggler with his hand uh this is something we not talked about but there's often hand signs that are you know in people who are in the know know the duke has hand signs he makes to his soldiers and paul can read them and you know the, uh, the paul sees the hand sign that Keens makes to the smuggler and realize the smuggler then gets, you know, is at the ready afterwards. And, you know, Jessica, they have their own, you know, the Benny Gessert have their own hand signs and the Harkonnens have their own hand signs. That's this little thing that, you know, they don't really specifically like explicitly talk about, but it's a little interesting thing that they add that are, they, Frank, has added to the world, which is like, you know, makes it feel lived in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he makes a hand sign and that's where it's like, revealed that the smuggler 
is on the side of uh, Keynes and he challenges him and, you know, they go back and forth and Keynes says that, you know, eventually after the Duke prods him further because he's like, oh, I, the Keynes is like, oh, I may have spoken out of turn. And he's like, no, fucking tell me, bitch. And he's like, well, we need plant life on Arrakis to start making 3% carbon foodstuffs to start a cycle that then can be repeated further. It will eventually work the changing Arrakis, t terraforming Arrakis. And, um, uh, spoiler alert, that's what fucking Keynes is doing. That's his entire thing. That's why he's got this power, but we'll get into that in a moment. But, yeah, and then the Duke's gotta fuck off. Do you remember why? Okay, well, Duke's like, oh, sorry guys, uh, I got more important shit than this lame-ass party, bye! And then he's like, Paul, take over, and Paul does. And he, Paul had been asking questions and talking as well, and there's this girl who's on his arm who's like, oh, look at I'm pretty girl, And Jessica realizes that the girl was, uh, uh Trying to fuck! Yes, she but was trying to give him that a, slob got me gob. She was a trap, and not in the uh, a, a man posing as a girl trap. Yeah. Uh, she is on the side of the guild banker, who Jessica realizes is a Harkonnen agent because of his. So so. No, that so so is the water merchant. That uh, Su Su is uh, what the water merchants call when they're selling water. Uh. So they call him Su Su. I think is how it would be pronounced because it's that two mm. two O's, two O's, S O S O S O K, Su Su. Uh, so they make fun of the water merchant by calling him Su Su, but he doesn't give a shit because that guy is making fucking bank off of water. Um, because it's so important on Arrakis. Um, so. She is the, the girl that's just uh, glommed on to Paul is uh, on the side of the guild banker and the guild banker is a Harkonnen agent. She Jessica realizes this through her, you know, hyper specific Benny Gesserit training that she recognizes his hidden speech pattern as a gaiety prime speech pattern, which is Harkonnen homeworld. So she's like, ah, gotcha, bitch. And that's, you know, that's that that's a uh, part of the reasons like, you know, she positions herself in certain ways and Paul picks up on it as well. And they use that information to kind of corner him and, you know, uh, they corner him and Paul takes over as the. Um, the host and Gurney Halleck has to sit down at the table to fill Paul's seat because the quorum mandates there could not be an odd number of people at the table mm. or some shit. So Paul takes over at the host and, you know, he has this conversation that's kind of pointed at the guild banker talking about how uh, birds would drink. The birds of Arrakis will drink blood and, and you know, cannibalize and, you know, uh, the guild banker's like, oh, I didn't say they were fucking cannibals, idiot. And then... <laughs> Keen slides in and he's like, after Paul's like, everyone's, you know, you have a niche in an ecology system and your biggest competition is other people that are filling the exact same niche. So, you know, if, you know, there's only so much blood to drink, the other blood drinking birds are going to be your competition. And, you know, Keen's like, yo, young master's got it, son. Well, I'm top. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, Shit happens, shit develops, and, you know, Keynes gets caught out. Um, but the feints within feints, that, that, that's what, the, you know, the little things that they each do. And then Keynes, you know, hides with Paul, and Paul recognizes that. And at one point, 
The guild banker takes a lot of offense. And Jessica thinks the guild banker is going to call Paul out and, you know, call him out to like a duel. And, you know, when she's worried for her son, oh no, oh, big mom vibes. But she is her mother. I, she is his mother. Um, and, you know, Paul's fine with it. He's like, I. And then other people are stepping in. It's like, motherfuckers, like, I have this. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. I'm big man. I'm 15 now. Ugh. I wonder if he, like, he wants metal or chest to pin it on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, they get word back that, the, you know, whatever the Duke fucked off to do was, you know, everything's taken care of. And what it was was. Lays guns, which are lasers. I wish you just called them fucking lasers. Lays guns are lays like guns. The you like lasers now. You like lays guns? It's kind of lazy, but yeah. I lays think it, guns. Uh-huh, I think uh-huh. it's like <laughs> sci-fi cringe. Yeah, it is sci-fi cringe. <laughs> I, That's why I, I hate cringe. I hate cringe. <laughs> everything, like everything else about dunes, like terminology and shit, I'm pretty much fine with, other than lays guns. It's like the one thing I'm like, I would have named a different rank. What would you have named it? I don't know. I'm not the fucking writer of Dune, am I? Dick, lays gun. It is. <laughs> Whatever. So uh, they find it. They find the carry-all. Oh yeah, yeah. The shipment of lays guns and lays gun slaps. Okay, so yeah, that's basically <laughs> the end of it. It's the first hint of uh, faints within faints, and then the uh, next chapter we get it's that night and Duncan Idaho, you know this expert soldier who has secretly been sent to watch Jessica because the Paul's or the Duke is using him to you know create false suspicion around Jessica. To absolve her. But Duncan doesn't know that. Duncan gets drunk on spice liquor. And he shows up just fucking sloshed. Well, he was making a ruckus. A ruckus or something, yeah. He woke Jessica up and she's like, yo, what the fuck is happening? Is Paul getting killed? And she runs out and she finds him being a fucking fool and she smacks the shit out of him. Well, she didn't smack the shit out of him, but she smacks him. Because <laughs> why does why, why you know why? Do you want you? We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Duncan he, starts. Duncan's like, "You're a dumb bitch spy. You're the betrayer." Because he's drunk. Yeah. And he's not. You know, he's not supposed to say that. And Jessica's like, "Oh, fucking Thuthier, how with that motherfucker?" <laughs> and she, you know, she figures out it's got to be him, so she sends for him, and she sets up. You know, she's like you know. She does the, you know, 1980s <laughs> sitting in white the corner. Dad, white dad waiting for their in the dark. Rene- yeah, for their renegade teenage child to come home from the party they stuck out. Yeah. Flick some light, so you hear the light cord, you hear the light cord and not, they don't say anything for a second. It's just oh shit. It's the same thing. Uh but you know, super how this old fucking mentat assassin and Jessica's this witch trained by the Benny Gesserit in Prano Bindu, which means body and nerve training to the point where like she can twitch a single muscle anywhere on her body whenever she wants which means fucking's gotta be great bruh <laughs> the dude's <laughs> right motherfucker. uh but you know whatever we're not talking about that frank doesn't explicitly say that at least okay. right now but you know uh, i had the thought does that make me a pervert i'm yeah, not sure does. okay all right <laughs> Guess I just have to tattoo that on my fucking forehead. Pervert. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> so 
two fear comes in and he's like oh shit she you know she confronts him and he's like uh hmm he like he's at the ready to like flip a dart or something at him or some shit i don't know he's mm-hmm. like you know prepares or at her to prepare himself because she he knows that she has this weapon called the voice that she could possibly use against him it's like this mystical people don't a hundred percent know like its extent but you know as the reader you get jessica's insight and later paul's insight and how it's used and you know you know that you know once someone has you know heard and talked to someone and you recognize their patterns as a benny gesserit trained person that they can then use specific tones and like uh, inside their voice and how they say things and you know it's like also patterns. suggestive yes and it the voice is almost hypnosis like it is <laughs> mind control it's it's the brown noise from south park but weaponized outside of making you shit yourself which i don't think is funny i don't think that from south park it's funny but it's what it is that's like but Jessica can just do it to people, but she, you know, you want to, you don't want to abuse it because it makes a bad name for the Benny Gesserit. So you only want to use it when it's important. Yeah. Yes. And you can be conditioned against it as well. You could be deaf as well. That's another way to prevent that shit from happening. So Sophia and Jessica are going back. She's like back and forth. She's like, fuck you for putting Idaho tailing me like you think I'm a spy? I fucking love the dude. Why would I betray him? I'm not going to betray him, or which would also be a betrayal of my son, motherfucker. Yeah. And her son is vital to her. Her son is so important to her. Whether or not that is because she's a mother or because he could be the Quitsack Haderach the Benny Gesserit are trying to produce, it's not explicitly stated. It might be a combination of them. But, you know... And then two fears starting to get a little, little attitude with her with her and he she's like, all right, motherfucker, I'ma set you in your place. She fucking pulls out, he gets goes to get up. He pulls out the voice and puts his ass back in the fucking chair. And he's like, <laughs> Oh no, I didn't realize it was like this. this. It's literally mind control. It is. He's a mentat. He's you know, he's trained. He's not just some fucking guy. Yeah. He's I mean, he's not Duncan Idaho. He's not Gurney Halleck. Mm. They're just soldiers. Do fear how it is a hyper-trained mind. Well, she wanted to make it very clear not to fuck with her. She was like, sit your ass down. And he did. <laughs> it's like she was like, I have you know, she was letting him know, like, you know. The Benny Gesserit deal in subterfuge, but we also have more overt weapons we can wield as well. And, you know, that's when he's like, uh, am I going to have to kill this bitch right <laughs> fucking now? He doesn't. And, you know, they leave, but he does, that does not convince to fear of anything because he is a mentat. He needs data. A conversation isn't going to convince a computer. He's a human computer. So. And that's basically the end of the chapter when they fuck off. You know, they both. Jessica allows him to leave and she broods in the room. You know, whatever. You know, like the upset dad. She sent him to his room. You know, fucking go to your room. We'll talk about this tomorrow. You're grounded for a month. Uh, No water for you. (laughs) No. Yeah. No water for you. The truth. That's. That's cruel and unusual punishment <laughs> on Arrakis, motherfucker. Um, so, 
the next chapter, the Duke is like pacing the dark halls and he senses something's off. And he finds a smuggler just in a pool of his own blood on the floor. And then after he sees them, there's another body. And it's shout out Mapes. Mapes? Mapes. Mapes. I don't fucking know, okay? And she's still alive. And she pleads with him with, like, these broken ideas. They're not a coherent sentence. To smugglers leave summons, you know. Gets hit in the fucking back with a fucking dart. It was the doctor. It was Dr. Hugh. The Hugh. school condition, which is imperial conditioning that makes you, or should make you, uncorruptible. And that's why no one thought it would be him that was going to betray House Atreides, the inside mole from the Baron. But Baron did it because, or the Baron did it because the Baron had... Dr. Yu's wife, this woman named Wanda, who's Benny Gesserit trained, and he has made a deal to hand over the Duke, Paul, and Lady Jessica, and handing over Arrakis in turn to the Baron. And in return, he gets Wanda out of misery, is sure. the deal, but. She's dead. already out of misery. The yeah. Baron had killed her a long time ago. So, but the doctor's not dumb. He knew that was a possibility. Right. He has a contingency to get back at the Baron. He, the Duke had a damaged tooth that the doctor had replaced at one point. He removes the replacement and installs another fake tooth that is full of some type of poisonous substance that will then turn into a gas when the tooth is broken and can be used to weaponize, you know, mm -hmm. basically turning the Duke into a suicide weapon. Right. And he's basically like, hey, idiot, I just fucking stunned you. You're about to go out, but I'm putting this tooth in your mouth. You got to break it and then breathe that shit into the Baron's face if you want to get back at him at any way, shape or form, because you're fucked. You're fucked, fucked. You're going to the Baron. He's going to torture you and then kill you. So this is what I'm giving you. And he explains to the Duke a little bit of why. And I had my wife. Sorry, wasn't personal, but I love her. Eat shit. And the Duke's <laughs> basically like, but he's Sook school conditioning trained. Oh, no. Which is important going forward. That's I'm not just hitting that because it's important going forward. So boom, back to a Baron chapter. He gets to mumble at people over his <laughs> jowls so jessica is wakes up and she's bound by sugar wire which is this substance that is found on seleucus agundus on one other planet and it's like these bindings the more you tug at them the deeper they dig into your arms so there's no there's no fun little break my or dislocate my thumb and slip out or no ninja shit you can't get out you're fucked but it's son. just on her yeah yeah she and uh the baron comes in with the mentat assassin peter de Vries, and peter um is staring at her and you know they're like hey wake up idiot we know you're awake it was the doctor who fucking knocked you out he did it perfectly we know when you're waking up stop playing stop being 
she was doing the little kid i got my eyes closed i'm not awake i was just on the xbox i just turned the tv <laughs> off <laughs> um, but yeah and you know so she wakes up and they you know they, they have this conversation the baron and peter because peter is supposed to take over or peter's reward for helping the baron in this is jessica no really know why he wants her it's not explicitly stated other than that he's got like a big heart on for her but he wants jessica and the baron's like well actually what if instead of this dangerous woman we murder her which and along with her son which was a given and i just give you the most profitable planet in the universe You'll just be in charge of that, and you know, we're even, you know, cool, right? And he's like, I'll fucking take it after, you know, a minute of like, but then I'm not gonna get my penis touched. But planet. Yeah, and he's this twisted, <laughs> he's this twisted creature, so of course he's gonna, you know, do the most devious shit he can. So Paul and Jessica are bundled up by these people, these two. Conan soldiers who are specifically tasked with taking them out. One is deaf to protect against the fact that Jessica has the use of the voice. She's also gagged, just so we're clear. Um, obviously, if someone has a fucking, if someone's vocal cords are a weapon, I'm putting something in their mouth if I'm fucking binding them up. Right. So, and she gets reunited with Paul, but he's not gagged because they don't know that she's been training him as a Benny Gesserit but she's all worried because he's not like a hundred percent trained in the voice and she's like if he fucks it up they're just gonna fucking murder him right there right now right so do you remember how she like kind of makes an opening doesn't she say she needs to use the restroom or something Nah, she's like it's laying there all seductive and shit uh, I don't know oh, it's yeah. like I'm, it's yeah, kind of she, weird Frank it Herbert pretty weird yeah she was like herbert herbert put myself out there the energy and then the guy is like looking at her and he's like yeah what if we just fuck her before we kill her it's not explicitly (laughs) like it's not explicit we're gonna rape her but like hey the other guy's like hey what if and another guy's like no stop being an idiot and then she starts wriggling around on the floor again i don't know how it's sexy i have Um, no idea she's bound i don't know frank's a pervert like he's definitely into bdsm um you know, the guy's like, well, I'm just gonna let her speak. And he's like, don't do it. And he does it anyways. <laughs> and she's like, don't fight over me. And they're like, I'm gonna have to kill you now. <laughs> she keeps, yeah, she's like, she puts these soothing tones in her voice. And she's like, oh, don't fight over me. And the other guy's like, oh, we're gonna, you know, this is a dumb idea. But like, mid-sentence, this is a dumb idea. The other dude plants his fucking knife in the other dude's throat. <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna get my penis touched. <laughs> yeah motherfucker uh so then she pleads with him to uh, you know all right look just let my son go out on the desert and he's like yeah okay but he's just gonna die he's literally like he, there was a little that would be crueler he, yeah, there, that's there what was a little saying. compassion he's like it's just gonna be worse for him he's just right. gonna die out in the desert you know either from you know uh you know exposure, the exposure the to the elements you know the heat starvation you know something he's just gonna fucking die out of there and she's like just please oh please so he's like all right fuck it so he just chucks paul out of the fucking ornithopter still bound and this is the part of the book where i realized like oh they have they're the every one of these trained people are like hyper trained razor sharp training not like oh 
I just worked out my body. I'm a strong dude, or I have these like psych psychological ideas. You know, I know these psychological ideas that I can manipulate people with. No, no, these people are beyond anything you've ever imagined. Paul, as he's falling out, specifically shifts his weight in a specific way and flicks his foot up and crushes the other dude's the right <laughs> ventricle of his heart and, and he dies before he hits the fucking deck of the ornithopter and Jessica's like that was fucking dumb I was just gonna you know whatever I could have taken care of it please please don't endanger yourself and, he's and like, there was an opening I'm gonna if I'll kill this man I'll kill him but Paul was like hey but I did it though and that's actually the first time Paul kills someone um and i mean he wasn't sized about it they didn't no, really like talk really about talk how about it. it felt yeah they don't really talk about it but that's They're, the first time paul kills someone right like that shit is cool like that's some ninja shit <laughs> that's like i hit three pressure points on your body and your fucking arm stopped working <laughs> so uh they had noticed already that the ornithopter was prepared uh for them and underneath one of, I think it's because of how the ornithopter was flying, the weight distribution. This is how fucking hyper trained these people are, and then how perspective, perspective the Benny Gesserit are. I think it was because of how the ornithopter was weighted when they were flying that Paul realized there was a bundle underneath one of the seats, mm. and that's how he knew that the do or that the doctor who had betrayed them had sent them with a care package if they could escape. Because the doctor's not evil; he doesn't want. To get back at the Atreides, he just wants his fucking wife. He just wants yeah. his wife, and like it's understandable. It's but bad. you still betrayed people to die. Yeah, a lot of people died for your wife. I, I guess he loves his wife. Shit. Or, <laughs> or she fucked him up with some Benny Gezer training, mm. some implants in her. The bro witch. Oh, the these witch fucking shit? bitches! These fucking—that's why they're called witches. <laughs> He's, it's a, and also they, they don't call themselves witches. It's a derogatory term yeah. in dune to call the benny gezer witches but you know so you find or paul finds you know inside this bundle of you know stuff to help them survive in the desert which you know has still suits a still tent which is like a still suit but a tent um uh water maker hooks and a, what is called a thumper maker hooks will become important later but the thumper is you know paul kind of understands that he had read stuff about arrakis and apparently it can attract worms and he's like, why do you want to fucking attract worms? I don't, he's like, I still don't get what this is for, but whatever. So, boom, we're sliding back into barren territory. Uh, the doctor shows up after all of the Sardaukar. Oh, so we kind of skipped over this, but when the dude gets all knocked out and shit, Arrakis is taken over by this massive force that they didn't even predict. It's Harkonnen and Sardaukar, legions. And they thought, you know, how it, the, the Mentat predicted, like, oh, they might send this many people to, you know, take us over, you know, whatever, two legions of Sardaukar, two legions of, you know, um, fucking Harkonnen. And it's like five of each or even more. I don't fucking remember the numbers. I didn't write them down. Fuck you, read the book. Um, and it's this massive force that just overwhelms House Atreides' forces. And everyone's treating the doctor already like a piece of shit because he's a betrayer. Yeah, everyone just says, oh, look, the traitor. Yeah, they're just calling him the traitor. <laughs> and he realizes in that moment he's going to go down in history as the Sook School conditioned betrayer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's not like super cool, but, you know, whatever. 
He's like, I guess for my wife, I'll do anything. Oh, uh, read at the end of the chapter with Jessica and Paul. Uh, the ornithopter is seen on the horizon, you know, following them, and they're like, I don't fucking run! And Jessica's like, oh, a laser gun's gonna cut my fucking son in half. <laughs> it's like, ah! But whatever. Um, so, the doctor is ushered in to see the Baron, and the Duke is there before him. Oh, no, the Duke isn't there yet, but he comes in, and he's like, bring, you know, whatever, where's the, where's the Duke? He's like, the starter car fucker has him. The Bashar, I think, is like a colonel of the Sardaukar. I think that's the title they use. Whatever. They have cool names. Um, Sardaukar is awesome. I like to say Sardaukar. It sounds good. Seleucus Segundus sounds good. That where the Sardaukar sucks. comes from. <laughs> good job, Frank! Um, but yeah, so... He gets walked in and, you know, he's like... Uh, the Baron basically reveals that he killed his the doctor's wife already, and Peter, the twisted mentat, comes up from behind him and fucking gets him, fucking sticks him with a knife, and fucking he falls to the ground, but, you know, in defiance, and that's like, the Baron's like a little shook about that. He's like, <laughs> he should have been defeated. Why does he not give a shit? But, you know, we know. We know, because he's got a contingency plan, and he already knew, right. pretty much already knew that his wife was dead, but, you know, he couldn't not take the chance. Right. Because of love. Because apparently, Frank's a, Frank's a hopeless romantic, apparently. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think he's actually a pervert, but... <laughs> uh, so... This man's lonely. He wants to get his pee-pee touched. Yeah. He writes yeah. about all these dudes wanting to get their pee-pee touched. I guess yeah. he sympathizes. I don't know. I don't I, know. But... <laughs> apparently, I don't know. Maybe it was his sexual release if wife, wife wasn't, you know, doing his jo job. So, you know, I'm not 100% sure, but whatever. So after that, the Duke is brought in to see the Baron, and the Baron is fucking gloating, and the Duke is drugged out of his fucking mind. And, you know, he realizes, though, that's the Baron, I'm about to be tortured, and then murdered. Where's my son? Where's my, where's my wife? Where's my ring? Oh, the Sardaukar guy wants to know the ring. The ring's important. The ring, the Ducal Signet ring, signifies the imperial title that is passed on to the Duke and whoever has it. His heir, Paul, if he has the Ducal Signet ring, he can prove that he is, after his father's inevitable death, the true Duke. And that's an important thing. It's like, where the fuck's my ring? So... He's remembering, all right, the, the, the doctor just kept telling him, remember the tooth. Remember the tooth. So eventually he's like, oh, the tooth, it's full of poison. And to be honest, he probably blows his load a little too early. He bites the tooth before the Baron's perfectly in range, but mm. he's drugged up. He was he, eager. Yeah, I mean, he was also desperate. Yeah. So he bites the tooth, the gas spills out of his mouth. Peter and other Harkonnen soldiers are in the room. You know, maybe it's not an option, but I was like, you know, if I was the doctor, I wouldn't have used like a poison gas. I mean, it's real cool and, you know, space age cool shit. It's cool. Yeah. But like, if I could have implanted like an explosive, that probably would have been more effective, you know? Yeah. But also, how big is the explosive? I don't know. Yeah. Sci-fi science. Space, I don't fucking you know. know. Yeah. I mean, Frank could have made it whatever yeah, the fuck he wanted. He really could have. Um, 
But yeah, or you could, uh, yeah, no, there's no way you could have hit like a laser gun and a shield on him, but that would have been one way to fucking do it. But <laughs> again, laser guns and shields have subatomic fusion interactions that cause nuclear explosions at each location, both at the laser gun location and the shield location. That's why knives are used in fucking Dune, or that's why Frank made up that reason so he could use knife fighting in Dune because knife fighting is cool as shit. Um,. So the gas spills out of the Duke's mouth and it fills the room and the Baron just in time sets up this force field thing that they didn't really talk about, but mm -hmm. it's like this, the field, you know, the personal field generators, but more powerful. And it like basically separates where he sits from the rest of the room and it protects him just in time. And everyone else in the room, including his twisted mentat, Peter DeVries fucking dies hard as fuck. They don't just die. They die hard as fuck, like gasping for fucking air, holding their throats and shit. Ugh, ugh, that must suck, but fuck Peter. Um, <laughs> fuck that guy. Uh, so he killed you. He did kill you, but fuck you also. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he got his just desserts. And the Baron's all butt mad because he's got to now get a new fucking, I got to get a new twisted mentat from the Tele Laxu. Um, I think he actually calls them Tlaylax there, but uh, they are an uh, organization called the Benny Tlaylax on Tlaylax, I think is the planet, and they're kind of like the same power as the Benny guys are at. They're not really talked about in book one of Dune. Book two, they become far more important. I think they reference in book one the face dancers of Tlaylaxu, which can change what they look like. They're they can morph their bodies to look like anything, which is fucking cool as shit. What? Oh my God, Frank, that's awesome. But they're not super important in Dude 1. We'll get back to the Tlaylax later. But this is a part of Frank Herbert's writing I find that is almost naive because he's like, oh, I've got to get another twisted Mentat from the Tlaylax. Like the Tlaylax are the only people that could produce a Mentat that would be twisted. And in that idea, it kind of says that all other mentats are good, which is like painting with shades of black and white and shit instead of shades of gray like reality is. I know that's like a little nitpick, but like that's been like a little thorn in my side about that part of the story for like the longest fucking time. And uh, I can't let that shit go. Sorry. Um, so Baron's like fucking shit, man. I didn't even get to torture the Duke. That guy's dead, and then he sees the, and you know, Peter's dead. My guard captain's dead. <laughs> Fuck. And then this, uh, the, the the first guy that shows up, this damn dude named Lakin Nafood. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck his name is? He realizes that guy. That guy's a guy he can control because he's addicted to this drug called Setuma. Which Samuta. Is, Samuta. Samuta. I don't know. Space drug. Different space, space drug. drug, which is this drug music music thing that people go into these trances and. It's a consciousness, like a deep consciousness, altering drug. There's, it's, I know this because I read the appendixes of Dune 1. Uh, there's this other drug that is derived from the same plant, from this specific planet. Frank likes that shit. Certain things from certain planets that give, you know, that is what that planet is. There's a the, there's Ix, the machine world. There's the Tlaylaxu world, which is a little more complex. They make a couple things, but... Then there's uh, the uh, Caladan and has this one special, special, oh, whale fur. Whale fur? Maybe that's Gaiety Prime. I think Gaiety Prime's whale fur. Whale fur. Yes, it is. Because that, that sounds classy as fuck. 
Yo, wait, give me a whale fur coat, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Pimped out with a whale fur coat, yes. like a hundred percent. Oh my god, a whale fur pimp coat? That's what I want, Frank. Where's the character wearing the whale fur pimp coat? Um, but um that's how the Harkonnens uh because they got exiled at a point because they at a point in history. That's the feud between House Atreides and House Harkonnen. As Atreides exiled House Harkonnen for not showing up to a battle that they had sworn they'd be there. So, but that's how they got back into the game. They had whale fur coats, son. House Harkonnen got drip, apparently. And, and fat suspensors, because you're so large, your body will literally just collapse under the pure weight of it. But, you know, each their own. So, the guard captain can be manipulated, and he makes him the new one. He's like, go fuck off and get me fucking some shit. You're the new guard captain. Congratulations. But, you know, that guy's just going to get abused by the Baron because that's all he fucking does. So. The guy who was in the Ornithopter, Duncan Idaho. Paul recognized it was Duncan Idaho because of how he was flying, which is crazy. Um, and that's a moment where Paul realizes he is more perceptive than his mother. Not the first moment, but it's a key moment where he's like, oh, oh, oh. My mom's a little bitch. <laughs> so Duncan Idaho had speared them away to this hidey hole in the desert, basically set them up in this tent and they slept the day out, you know, in the desert. It's easier to travel at night and sleep during the day because, you know, activity during the day, you're sweating, you're losing moisture. Not fun. Not a fun time to be on Arrakis in the daytime. So they wake up and they're like, and Paul's like, Oh, it's in the middle of the night. I haven't gone to sleep yet. And Paul is starting to freak the fuck out. It's a combination of his Mentat training, which wasn't completed, his Benny Gesserit training, the high-stress environment of everything that's going on, and his spice intake that he had naturally accumulated from just being on Arrakis. Everything on Arrakis has spice in it. All the food has spice in it. The fucking everything has spice in it. So this spice diet he's been imbining is uh driving him crazy making a change a realization a culmination if you will and he can't mourn his father he has no emotions he's hyper analytical at the moment and his mind just starts racing with computation. He realizes that most likely his father is dead. He is now the true Duke. And his mother said something about that. And he's like, oh, how did, how did you not come to that conclusion already? Like, that's self-evident. Like, it's not something I even thought about. It's just something I knew. You're right. Um, and he realizes that's another moment. He's starting to realize, like, oh, I'm going to have to really be the guy here. No, not the guy, but like I'm gonna have to take over and he, shit. He has like, to step I, up, yeah. Yeah, he's got it. I mean, you know, it's a coming of age story in some ways at this point, and he's got to grow up. I mean, he's 15. His dad, or dad just got killed by his mortal enemy, and he lost his fucking, his you know, his cash cow. You know, he was gonna, he was gonna inherit his dad's business, but you know, oh shit, shit <laughs> went wrong. So starts freaking out. He starts seeing all these computations, and then he starts having prescient visions of the future and the past and not only is it he's getting data from the future and the past but also his pure observations as well and he realizes that his mother is pregnant yeah 
<laughs> and and the daughter of Baron Harkonnen. He realizes his mother is pregnant and that his mother is the daughter of Baron Harkonnen purely through observation. He doesn't yeah. see it in the past or the future. No. Which is fucking crazy just by how she looks. And she doesn't know that because the Benning guys don't tell people who they're descendant from. Yeah. And he starts having these fucking realizations and he's just like, oh, oh. And he's losing his fucking mind. It's well, racing well, out of control. He was... Taught to hate them growing up, and suddenly he's like, "Fuck, I'm one of them. Yeah. My mom is one of them." Yeah, like you and, know, you know, he's stuck in the middle of the desert, no fucking money. It's fucking hot. He's pissed. He's like tripping and losing his mind. He's like, "Fuck!" He swore like his family and his house has sworn against this mortal feud against the Harkonnens, and you know, Jessica. St I think she had said something about you know getting back at the Harkonnens, and he's like, he's like, you know, to himself, he's like, this dumb bitch doesn't even know that she's a fucking Harkonnen, and I'm a fucking Harkonnen! Um, so, he starts talking to her, talking down to her. He's being real fucking rude. Yeah. But, you know, he's also angry, because he realizes at this moment as well that all of this is her fucking fault. She trained him this way. She has done everything to him. She has create put him on this this terrible path that he has felt looming in his future this is even before he starts taking in spicy as prescient dreams where he dreams the future and he often feels like he has this looming the future is this looming threat that is like going that is out of his control and he start he realizes that not only is it real that the threat is real, that his mother is the fault, at fault for it, because she's Benny Gesserit. She had a son instead of a daughter. She trained him as Benny Gesserit. She, you know, everything is going on. Like and he's like, oh, I think we should have just fucking fucked off to, like, the edges of space with our fucking nukes and, you know, become a renegade house. But, you know, what's done is done. So, done and dusted. He starts talking down to her and... So she starts freaking out herself because she realizes that her son is the Quitsack Hatterack. And she confronts him. She's like, basically, like, are you the Quitsack? You're the Quitsack Hatterack. He's like, oh, no, I'm something different. <laughs> and I like that idea. Instead of, you know, Frank, it's, you know, shades of gray instead of black and white. Frank, you know, in and of itself makes doubt in the story that Paul, you know, might have these powers, but he might not actually be the one that is prophesized by the Bene Gesserit, the Quitsack Hatterack. And that might be because Paul is there before the Bene Gesserit want him, so he's not fulfilling the role of Quitsack Hatterack, you know, uh, this, this, this force that the Bene Gesserit have been searching for thousands of years, genetic breeding people for thousands of years to produce, produce this specific gene combination so they could take advantage of it and abuse his prescient visions of the future. Uh, and he realizes he's not going to play in the Bene Gesserit hands. He's not fucking doing that. Not his jam. So he pushes back. He says, I'm something different. I'm something else. I'm a freak. Real teenage shit, but I get it. I mean, he's a teenager. You know, he's, you know, he, he's literally by the moment having to grow up. Like yesterday, he could be, he could, yesterday he was able to play as the host and, you know, play as the Duke's, the Duke at the head of the table at the dinner party. Today, he's the fucking Duke and all of the pressures on him. 
And while this is all happening, Atreides forces all across the planet are just getting obliterated. They hear it. They hear the, 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 this town getting destroyed, and which is the guild bank. And that gets blown up. And he's like, oh. Instantly, he's, he already knew that they would use it to... They would use the uh, destruction of the guild bank as, you know, to put the guild against House Atreides so they can't escape by bribing the guild to allow them off the planet. And Jessica says it. He's like, no fucking shit. <laughs> keep up. Keep up. I need you to keep up, Jessica. Come on. And, you know, you know Gurney Halleck, Thufir uh, Hawad, they're all big sad. In the notes we have here, <laughs> Stephanie wrote, sad crew list, which is the funniest fucking way to put this. They're not like teenagers moping around in their room because... <laughs> Molly didn't, you know, Molly didn't go on the date they asked her on. <laughs> They're Duke, the man they idolized, because he did. He, he, you know, he inspired these people. The man they idolized has been slain. All of their friends have been decimated. They're stranded on this fucking horrible planet, and they're probably going to be eradicated by this super strong fighting force, the Sardaukar, simply because the Emperor thinks the Duke is getting a little too powerful. All these people died just because the emperor is getting a little fucking uncomfortable in his britches. Might lose a little a modicum of power. What a little bitch the emperor is. You not, like the power is important. He's a, such a. He little, needs to have all of it. Such a little bitch. Yeah. He's such a little bitch. <laughs> so, Paul gets real woke when he takes the spice. So you know, they're traveling across the desert. There's there's a couple incidents. There's uh they they've got to get across this one part of the sand and they're doing this non-repetitive stride thing so they sound like sand moving so the worms don't eat them and they're walking along rock areas so they're not walking on the sand because any movement on the sand will fucking attract the worms and they decide to camp for another day and right when they're like finding a camp spot the fucking they basically fall down a sand avalanche shit and Jessica gets buried, and so does the pack, and but Paul doesn't, and he's got to dig her mother out, his mother out, and she's in this suspense, this suspended um, state, so you know she slowed her breathing down so she wouldn't suffocate, and Paul brings her out of it, and then they fuck around with this compass thing and create foam to get the pack out of it. I don't know, it doesn't really important to the story. I mean, it's like desert shit. I mean, it could have been skipped. As, survival. Yeah. Survival of the hardships. Place. You know, hardships you have in the desert. You know. Paul and, feeling bad that he panicked for a bit, and he was like, "Oh, if I didn't panic, it wouldn't have happened." And just I just like, have to be perfect next time. And just like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll train you how to be perfect, <laughs> idiot." And uh, which I couldn't believe. I couldn't fucking believe. Like, <laughs> you're his mother. Just like, oh, it happens sometimes. No. Like, no. Nope. I'm fucking bitch. No. Nope. You're right. You suck. Little fucking idiot. <laughs> um so you know uh but i guess it's like you know showing that they're resourceful enough to survive in the desert i guess that's frank's point but whatever fucking skip past that plot point it's not super important they sleep they wake and they have to travel across the the sand one more time and paul sets this thing called a thumper which draws a worm you know he's like all right we gotta get there there's like this huge distance they have to get across in the sand and they're like she's like can we do it he's like whoa we don't got a fucking option. We got to get to the Fremen. We got to abuse this myth that I might be the Lisan Al Gaib. We've got to possibly, you know, I, I was like, I'm, I'm going to try to get it, get together with the planetologist Keens. You know, we missed a plot point. 
What? We missed a plot point. Which one? Rewind one day in the desert. Paul is found by Duncan Idaho. Holy freak, this part every time. But it's important. It leads up to the next part for Keynes. So, Keynes, who is... The or, betrayer? No, Keynes, uh, oh, the, the, planetologist, the planetologist, who is also the leader of the Fremen. Yeah. His name is Liat Keen. The Fremen who were saying Liat earlier were referring to him. He is the leader. Uh, and he's a planetologist. He's like kind of a rogue imperial agent. He, Paul takes them, or uh, Duncan Idaho takes them to uh, them because Duncan Idaho has been an ambassador to the Fremen because the Duke was trying to get Fremen to fuck, fight with him for him. But, you know, Harkonnen's and the Sardaukar moved before that could happen. So he goes there. Paul's, you know, being a little Duke. He's like forcing Keens to call him by, you know, the proper titles. You know, my lord, my duke, nobleborn, show respect, even though Paul was wielding much less power than his father had. And that's kind of pissing Keynes off, but he still has respect for the Atreides. So this is like, they're feeling each other out. And basically, Keynes is like, what are you going to fucking do, you little fucking idiot? You're a 15 year old idiot with your mother who's, you know, Benny Gezer at train, but still, you're stuck in the desert. You're at our mercy. All you got is one dude out there with a ornithopter that just got blown up and he's like i'm gonna go to the imperial or i'm gonna go to the the, the landis drought and file articles of whatever articles of dumb <laughs> shit in the imperial call the manager <laughs> i want to speak to your give me the number to hr corporate um basically he's basically gonna go through like you know the official an official grievance against the emperor. He's not going to let him get away with it, basically. And, you know, Keynes is like, ah, you might be, I might be able to use you to my advantage, and you might be able to use me to your advantage. And I kind of like you. You got a little spunk, kid. So, right as that's happening, they make, they make that decision to, they agree to, you know, help each other. Dun, dun, dun. Sardaukar show up. Big fucking bad. Keep, they're fucking killing it everyone and like they open the door and it's just a fucking massacre out there and duncan's like fucking run right as he gets his fucking cut down right at last right in front of paul and they're like oh well guess we gotta run guess he's dead there's a filing cabinet that paul realizes through his the the airflow in the room is a secret passageway because he's benny gezer trained I, I, you know hyper focus shit like that shit blows my mind like if I could do that, that'd be so fucking cool. Oh my god! Uh, and what I really like about doing in like that aspect is because it's not magic. It's not something that they or, or a device they use or you know a drug. That's literally just training. Just hyper awareness. These hyper trained schools of thought and you know function in Dune are what make it so cool and different from like more modern sci-fi oh i feel like all modern sci-fi is like a little too heavy-handed sometimes not all but like you know what is that what's that one with fucking the girl from that 70s show valerian fallen or some shit i don't know some movie came out it was some sci-fi movie with chris pratt and mila kunis and mm. that shit was fucking awful <laughs> that movie sucked dick Red. Sorry for everyone who worked on it. I know you guys worked hard, but I didn't enjoy the movie. Um, movie critic. So yeah, I, I like this. I like this. You know, older 
version of sci-fi that's different it's it's hyper training caused by these events that have echoes through time which are so fucking cool um whatever so they escape paul and jessica and leah Keens split ways Paul and Jessica go and get in an ornithopter and they fly into this desert storm and it carries them and they get chased. But the, the, the desert storms on Arrakis will tread metal and they're like, well, we just hope we don't die. Uh, I fucking guess. I guess we just hope we don't die. And, you know, you're not really sure. And fucking the next chapter is the fucking idiot guy who's addicted to Sep. Septuma, the drug. He's like, um, 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 Baron, um, um, I think we're dead, but they kind of escaped. We killed Duncan Idaho, but they were hiding with the Imperial Planetologist. No, um, they're definitely dead. They're they're in the desert. How could anyone survive the desert? That's what he actually so he says. Like, and the dumb Baron. little boy and dumb witch bitch dead. That's no, what he actually survival. says. And the Baron's like, "You're a fucking idiot. I need bodies." <laughs> they don't see the bodies. They're not dead, basically. Um, and you know, it's this plot point that is obviously leading to them not gonna be dead, and it's gonna be a big egg on fucking that guy's face. If anyone didn't see that coming, I'm sorry, but dude's a drug addict. It's kind of a can't. It's a little anti-drug in that aspect. There, he's like, I mean, I guess it's true. You can, you know, use. He people's... wants the hustle for yeah. the drugs. But you know, you can also use people. He's himself get walked all over. He was like, "Yeah, please, please, give me daddy, yeah, that money for those drugs." Because you know, as you know, whatever fucking dumb fucking soldier and Harkonnen forces he was before, he was barely getting by getting this drug act. But now he's got the guard captain job. Yo, he's rolling money. He's got that subtuma flowing. Yo, he's high all the time, son. <laughs> Anytime he can't be high, he is high because he's a drug addict. Um, and that's important. And also, next chapter, you know, that's a real short chapter because it's basically like, oh, they're obviously dead and the Baron's like, you're a fucking idiot. Next chapter, Thufir Hawat is bargaining with this Fremen he had found in the desert and his soldiers have, you know, been scattered. A lot of them are injured, one's dying. And he's talking to this Fremen and he's trying to bargain for sanctuary with the Fremen or them to ferry them to the smugglers so they could possibly leave the planet through the smugglers, you know, or join the smugglers. That's also an option. He's having this problem with this conversation. He's like, what do you talk about? Water burdens? I don't know what you're, he's, but he's not saying that. Like, but in his brain, he's like, dude, what is this guy trying to fucking get at? Like, I don't understand. I need more data. I'm a human computer. Ah! He's frustrated because the answers aren't ever straightforward. They're just yeah, like... they talk in, the Fremen talk in riddles. Or, you know, cultural differences are not allowing um, Thufi or Hawat to understand. And the dude fucking dies right there. And then he's like, yeah, let's make a fucking water deal or whatever. We'll join our water to yours. And then these four fucking Fremen dudes just fucking descend out of the ceiling. Well, not actually, it's like the rock face, but and they fucking just wrap the fucking dead guy up and just fucking zoom away with him. And now the fucking all the fucking other Atreides forces are like, where, the, where are they taking him? 
What is going? What? And they're like, hey, look, there, you know, it's these. Like, oh, you know, I made it to you. There's different cultural customs. Like, they're gonna take his water yeah. from his body. And the Fremen dude's like, yeah, like, yeah, that's what we do. What is the problem? And the, they're like, the flesh belongs to the person, but the water belongs to the tribe. Well, they're upset. They're like, oh, this is kind of like disrespectful. And they're like, and he, the Freeman's like, no, no, this is like the utmost respected way that we could do anything about it. Just, just let us do what we do. And you know, he's already made the deal. You know, they've joined water. So the they Fremen's taking Fremen, they don't swap spit. <laughs> that would be very anti-Iraqi. Um, and the Fremen is a little offended that they're offended. Like, no, we're going to treat his body fine. But the water is ours, motherfucker. You just sold us your water. All of your water you just sold to our little clan thing. You know, whatever part of, you know, they, they belong to. And what's the issue? And they're like, okay, so... Uh, what are we going to do? And the Fremen's like, we're going to set up a trap. So they set up this trap in the middle of the desert, and they're all hiding for like hours and hours and hours, and it's just, you know, what I just skips through it real quick in the book. They are not, it's not like, tick, 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 how it's not thinking the entire time, not having conversations. And the Fremen's like, shut the fuck up, also. Uh, and these Sardaukar and Harkonnen uniforms on this troop transport, these two ornithopters, Fly, and one's like a normal one that can carry like six people. The other one has like a hundred Sardaukar fly in and they land and, you know, they see this, you know, whatever. I don't remember what the trap is, but, they, you know, they set up the trap and they land and they jump out. And then all these like these these like 20 Fremen just I don't even know how many a handful of Fremen, 12 fucking five. It doesn't matter. Pop out of the sand and absolutely butcher the Sardaukar. These the Sardaukar. Let me re refocuses the Sardaukar are such a powerful fighting force that all of the landestrat all of the major and minor houses are militarily as strong as just the imperium's Sardaukar that's how the military force is held in check there are these hyper elite fighting forces and that's one of the reasons why the emperor also fears house atreides is because house atreides had trained a couple a elite few soldiers to be better than Sardaukar, Gurney Halleck, Duncan Idaho, Thufir Hawat, and a couple other of his trusted lieutenants are legendary fighters across the Imperium. That's why he decides to crush House Atreides, because it is putting his military power in jeopardy, because of how Atreides grows, especially with now being on Arrakis and having a, and a Chocom direct dire directorship which is going to be direct profits you just 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 gonna be able to skim profits 100 percent uh that's gonna be a problem if he you know makes a formidable fighting force and he kind of the emperor is kind of upset about it because he likes the duke he respects the duke in one of the pre-chapter parts princess irlan suspects that doesn't even suspect the emperor directly tells her that if she had been older he would have married her to the duke Mm. but she didn't he's a child at the time alas it's not an option so he's got to crush his competition rather than bringing them into the fold and the Fremen fucking brutally murdered the Sardaukar and all of House Atreides like what just happened like we just got absolutely we're an elite fighting force and we got absolutely obliterated by the Sardaukar these 20 Fremen just took on a hundred plus fucking Sardaukar and only lost two people and they're like ah 
It's a shame we lost two people. Sardaukar fight well, but eh. <laughs> they died well, basically. And right as that conversation's happening, fucking Sardaukar commandos drop out of the fucking ceiling just like the Fremen did. I don't know how they didn't see that shit coming, but whatever. That's a little plot hole. And they fucking throw a knife right through that Fremen guy's fucking eyeball. Right, right next to Thufir. They kill all of House Atreides, all those House Atreides troops except for Thufir. He gets captured. And back to the Baron chapter. It's another short one. But... Oh my! Cap guard captain! Septuma guard captain! I'm addicted! Ooh, daddy, please give me money! Is like, um, yeah, so, uh, the Sardaukar have... Uh, Thufir Hawat and the planetologist Keens, he was helping Paul, the little duke, get away. Or I think he doesn't say Paul. I think it's like, uh, I think, no, it is, it is, it is. They do know it's Paul. And he's like, you're telling me we've got him in custody, but the Imperial forces have him? He's like, yes! <laughs> Is like that's gonna be a problem. So we need them because I want to for Howitt because I need a Mentat and I want to kill Keens because he worked against me. I don't give a shit if he's from the Imperium. I want him dead. And he's like, well, well what are we, what are we gonna do, Daddy? <laughs> Just make it happen. He's like, <laughs> we'll make it happen. We'll make a mistake, and that mistake is gonna be them dying. Quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. He's like, you know, there's going to be an accident, and they're going to disappear. And he does. Man. That's like that. I mean, he does. They make it. They don't talk about it. I have no idea what happens. It's just straight into the next chapter. Liat Keynes is just dying in the desert now. He's just laying on the desert floor, just burning on the sand, all bloody. His clothes are all ripped up, and he's just cooking. Just sizzling in the sun. He's like, fuck me. And then he starts hallucinating. Oh, yeah. What's he, uh, what's he hallucinating? Huh? You remember? But his dad. Yeah. His dad is just telling him all the shit that he already knows. He's like, why the fuck is he telling me all of this shit? Teaching him. That's an exposition dump for the ecology of Arrakis. Uh, but it, his father was the planetologist on Arrakis before him. And he is what has bestowed this idea of terraforming Arrakis onto Liat Keynes. He had this idea of Hardot, Hardot Keynes, had this idea of marrying a Fremen woman, so his son, who will inherit his ideas, will be accepted by the Fremen, and he will use this, this migratory nomadic people and their desire for water to transform the planet. And basically he's telling him about that. And he's like, shut the fuck up, dad. I know. And then he starts smelling some shit. And that shit is a pre-spice mass. More ecology about spice. Apparently there's something called a pre-spice mass that sits underneath the sand surface. And after it... Marinates? <laughs> sits? I think... I don't know. I don't 100% remember this shit. But I think it's the sand plankton and its interaction with the sand, the pre-spice mass and little makers, which are tiny worms, make pre-spice mass and it's their relation with water. It blows. There's a chemical reaction and it explodes 
transferring the top surface of the sand with underneath cycling it's an ecological cycle right there with the spice the spice is essential to the ecological cycle that is where it's tied into the ecological cycle and the worms now you have explicit evidence that the worms the little makers the small worms any little guys not like tiny little guys sand plankton are tiny that's what the big worms eat they're like basking whales but the little makers make pre-spice mass spice is important sand plankton feed on spice perhaps i don't know everything on arrakis is involved with the worms so it blows it swallows my boy liad up he dies he, he dies pretty hard. He dies pretty hard. But it's a, it's a cool chapter. He's hallucinating. It's fun. Fun little interaction. And now, one of the things I liked, uh, with one, the one part about it I really liked about that chapter is his father had told him to beware of heroes. Because they are abusing the Fremen's mythology themselves. The Adkins, Paradotkins was abusing the tribal nature of the Fremen, just like mission protectivia had set up mm. so if their messiah shows up it's gonna make him a little less important yeah. if the lisan al-gaib shows up the voice from the outer worlds it's throwing a wrench into my boy's plans so i like that part it's like it it was it's good writing it's a perceptive writing lived in world good job frank no, you're dead, but um, I'm going to praise you anyways. We've now finished book one of the first Dune novel. That's the last chapter. Now, we start book two, where things really get going. Book one is pure setup for book two. Book two is set up for book three of Dune one, the first novel. But it's not as dry. More things happen. Faster pace. You don't need to set up as much. You know, you we've already, it's already set up the world. It's already set up the religion. It's already set up the the houses, the conflicts, the interpersonal conflicts, the intersocial conflicts, the the demands of the environment. More exploring. My man Frank needed to do a lot of fucking setup apparently. So, Paul, his mother are still stuck in the fucking desert. Paul's getting all mad about the Emperor, you know, fucking twisted. He's mad at his mom because she's Harkonnen. The first chapter of book two starts with now Harkonnen kills Harkonnen, talking about himself, not that he's going to kill his mother, but, you know, he plans to kill the Baron for what he had done to his grandpa. Yeah, his father. Grandfather. Yeah. All of that, the animosity between Harkonnen and Atreides. So they fuck around in the desert for a little bit. Nothing really happens at that point. It's like conflict between Jessica and Paul, more more visions, you know. Okay, so um we're an hour and thirty minutes into this podcast and I didn't realize like <laughs> we're gonna talk for about all of this shit and uh, I think it's where we're cutting the episode for now. I never thought that book one of Dune was going to be two fucking episodes, which means book two might be two episodes. There's no fucking way book three is two episodes. Two, maybe, I mean, it's 
it's book three is fast as fuck it's super fast paced not a lot of talking happens it's just shit happens shit happens shit happens so i guess this is the end of episode two thanks for listening if you fucking stay oh, here wait opinions about the first book oh well, yeah we can talk about it. did you 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 can share your opinions about the first book first. It was dry. It, it was really hard for me to read it. I was suffering the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, like, if you're going to read along, like, but you got to get through it. I got through it. You, but to get to get into Dune, <laughs> that's why I say, like, if you're going to get high and read Dune, get high after you read Dune, after you read and think about what you just read, because the lore is so fucking thick at the first the first book of Dune. Of well, June 1, the first novel. You, got, you gotta get about. all that information into your fucking brain so that they can just run through it yeah, in, the like, next, in the next... Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's all set up and it's super dry. The first couple of chapters are so fucking dry. You I mean, you have, like, Paul almost getting assassinated by the hunter-seeker. That's like a, oh, cool shit. Yeah. It's just about to happen. And then it's just the Duke moping about the, how everyone thinks Jessica's gonna betray him and how he's trying to set up House Atreides for success, but it's not gonna work. Yeah, it's fatalistic. Duke has a fatalistic idea, but, you know, he's still, you know, struggling against the fatalism that he realizes. Um, and Paul is like, oh, my daddy. Oh, he's so cool. Whoa, oh, my God. He just like him. Daddy, daddy. Um, and he is like him a bit, but he's also like his mother because he's Benny Gesserit trained. But, you know, he re the Duke realizes that his son has some of his father, the Duke's father, the old Duke is how they refer to him as the old duke's qualities who was like kind of like a hard ass a bit like i get this vibe that he's a hard ass he dies hard as shit do you remember how he dies no okay so there's this scene where shout out maybe is mapes is talking about where she should hang the old duke's portrait and the bull the, okay the bull the bull's that. horns are covered in something and she's like uh do you want me to clean it off she's like no it's blood and she's like <laughs> do you want me to clean it off yeah and i remember like, that and it's just like, no, it's like complicated. The old Duke died to the bull. It's like a whole thing that our Duke, the new Duke, whatever. It was a show of whatever. Yeah, just hang them across from each other. It's, a, it's this contention as well between Jessica and the Duke. The Duke himself, Leto, likes it. You know, it shows, you know, commitment. And, you know, that is, you know, yeah. It, uh, I think it, the Duke thinks of it as like, you know, a true representation of what his father was where jessica's like i don't want my son to be that fucking guy and this is like kind of idolizing him so could we just fucking not and he's like nope bitch put it in the dining room <laughs> yeah he was like this is the one thing i won't move on yeah he's like sorry mm, no i'll give not. you everything in the world not this though except for a <laughs> ring bitch yeah I, i'm not helping you either <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he really isn't bro. like it's a little rude like uh, he loves her though but like, yeah come on man like at this point no one's you, know, you haven't married anyone i also don't understand if he's holding out for a marriage of a you know alliance why wouldn't he do this now like this is like a plot hole i think like he's held out for a marriage as an alliance he's now stuck in a situation where an alliance would be good why doesn't he use the fact that he is an eligible bachelor, bachelor, he is a concubine, um, to help him out of this bind? He marries someone. No, he needs to die. I mean, like, he needs to die for the story. Yeah. I get that. But yeah. I feel like it's a plot hole. Okay. I feel like Frank just wanted to make Jessica a concubine and not his <laughs> wife. He didn't want to go through like, all, the, all the worry about their marriage. I mean... 
it might be like a different plot point that she like ended up cutting and just left it in. He already, I already had written that Jessica was the concubine, but like, uh, I still don't see like, I don't see from like a fourth wall perspective why she wouldn't just be his wife. I mean, like it creates tension between them a little bit, yeah, whatever. But does. like, it's not vital to the story. No, but it does make their relationship more interesting because you know she's always. Like, it makes the it's 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 the one amount of. The, the little bit of depth the Duke, Duke does get is that moment. I mean, I you know I was a little rough on him calling him a flat character earlier, but it is a little the little depth he gets there. So you know, um, characters. What characters are your favorite right now? I fucked with Mapes. I like Mapes. You like Mapes? Yeah, I like Mapes. You like Mapes? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so that I like Mapes as well. She was a cool character. Um, uh, I can't talk about my favorite character in the book. We haven't met him yet. Oh. Um, we'll talk about him. Maybe two episodes from now. Okay. If we do all of book two in one episode, which might be like a two-hour episode also. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll talk about this guy named Count Fenring. He's, he, he's referenced a little bit. You haven't met him. The, the message... All right, we didn't talk about this, but there was a message encoded on a leaf in the special water room on the top of the residency yeah. that his wife who's Benny Gesserit trained, left that for Jessica. It's Count Fenring's wife. He was the imperial ambassador to Arrakis. And when the fiefdom changed and everything, he was removed. Count Fenring is the... I think it's talked about a little bit in the pre-chapter things from Irulan and her histories about how the emperor's only... The only person the emperor could have con, would have been considered as a friend would have been Count Fenring. And he's this really interesting character, and he becomes vitally important in book three at a single moment. But he's... His alliances are in the Imperium itself, not his own house. But he's a really cool character. I like him a lot. Um, initially, we're not talking about a fuck, okay. But <laughs> I like Gurney. I think of all the characters we've met so far, it's either Liat Keens... The planetologist, mm -hmm. because of, you know, his convictions, and but he's still willing to, you know, move, you know, he is swayed by the altruism of uh, and the honesty and, you know, the, you know, difference between House Atreides and House Harkonnen. I like him being a little gremlin. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and her notes where he, uh, he's still, like, at the dinner party, uh, whenever they make a toast, they make a toast of water. He doesn't drink it because he doesn't need water right now. So instead, he slips it into a catch pocket to store for water later because water is so fucking valuable and they don't even realize, no one at the table, even the water merchant doesn't realize how valuable the water is. Right. If he really did, he wouldn't drink fucking water when he doesn't need to. Right. So, and, and Jessica sees that and he like makes a little smirk at her. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. He's like, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, but I think Gurney Halleck's a character I like a lot. I like the quotes that he has, and you know, singing is like a kind of cool thing. I, I rereading re the book, I skipped over all the lyrics he sings. I, mm. I, like I mean, the quotes. first song that he ever sings, they're like, "Don't let Jessica hear you singing about that in front of the child." <laughs> but like, I don't when I read it, it doesn't like really flow. So like, I can't really get into like it doesn't flow in my mind when I'm reading it. So I can't really get into him singing it. There's you no, think they're gonna no, have the music in the movies? Or I movie? don't think they're gonna have Gurney Halleck singing. I hope, uh -huh. I hope there's movies. To be honest, um, 
But, but the movie's coming out in October. Yeah. 22nd. 22nd. October 22nd. I just saw a new poster for it. It's fucking sick. It's like this huge. <laughs> it's this huge dune, like an actual like desert yeah. dune, and there's like a single character, I assume Paul, most likely. Like the silhouette? Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. He's walking across the dune and you can see his like mm. his track of his footprints. Um it's really cool. It's like this super uh wide shot. And I like it a lot. I like the, I like the shot a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think Gurney Halleck so far is my favorite character. I like Duncan Idaho a bit. Um, I like his name. It's fun. It is it's fun. fun. It's fun. It's <laughs> fun. Gurney Halleck is not as fun as I. Uh, there are a lot of fun things to say from Dune. Quitsack Hadarak. Yeah. Lisan Al Daib. What what's the place I like? Seleucus Segundus. Yes. Seleucus Segundus. That one slides. <laughs> that one slides. <laughs> Seleucus Gundis is almost poetic. Especially, I mean, and also as Onomatopoeia. What is Onomatopoeia? Yes. Sardaukar. And also with the Sardaukar from Seleucus Gundis, you know. Fucking rolls. It rolls. Sardaukar has strength. That, you know, I like, you know, words have attributes, I feel, that aren't innate. But I feel like Sardaukar has strength. It is a strong word. Atreides. Feel like that's royal, or you know, I mean, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it sort of is. I mean, it has is, weight. It has, it has weight, weight it, but it feels um intricate. Atreides, Arconin, Arconin, Arconin. I don't think it's a little villainous, but not as villainous as it could be. Peter Devries, Peter. It's P I T E R. Peter. It's probably Peter. Probably yeah, been, it pro- it's Peter. Peter. It's probably Peter. I've been calling P-I-T-E-R. it wrong. P I T E R. Peter Devries. That's a. That's got like snake qualities. <laughs> that slimy a little French bit. French ass name. It is. Sorry, French. <laughs> I don't mean to call you your language or things that uh, sound like it. Um, uh, snake esque. Because that has, you know, negative connotations traditionally. But uh, I do feel like it's like underhanded and it fits his character. It's a good name. Yeah. There's a lot of characters that have good names. Stupir How it's not a name that I really feel has anything to it, though. It's just a name. Yeah. It's hard to pronounce. I don't know. I, I might even be pronouncing it wrong. So fuck me, right? Thurf, you're what? You're asking me. I can't read. True. <laughs> Takes you fucking forever to read these chapters. Um, is there a moment you like the most from book one? Mm, I guess when uh, Paul kills like the 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 killer thing. The, the oh, the, 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 the hunter seeker drone. The hunter seeker, yeah. That, um, I also respect a lot that he just like kills the characters. He was like, "This guy gotta go. This guy gotta go." And I'm like, "Damn, okay, main character is dying." Yeah, I like yeah. that. Uh, he, has, he doesn't, he's not pulling any punches there. No. Um, he has no issue with killing characters, uh, or putting them in, like, you know, or perceiving that the characters, you know, would, like, be a real situation where they could just die. I mean, like, I didn't see Leah Keynes dying. No. I didn't see that coming. No. I, you know, he had just made this agreement with Paul, and, you know, they had, like, you know, allied themselves, and I was like, okay, let's see where this goes, and then Next thing he's captured, next thing he's fucking dead dead. And I'm like, well, shit. I was I kind I like Liat Keynes as well. I like it. He's devious, he has power, uh, but it's like this he's he's secretive about it because he understands that if I, if people really understood how how strong, how much strength he actually wields on Arrakis, 
they'd fucking crush him as soon as they could. How did you feel about the Duke's death? I felt like when I read it, it didn't feel real. I was like, wait, so he just died? It I don't know. It felt kind of abrupt. like... Yeah. It felt abrupt. And that's also why I kind of feel like he blew his load a little too early. Maybe Frank did as well. Um, but yeah, it felt very abrupt. But I guess like you're drugged. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, he was kind of tripping as he yeah, was, he like, was he was coming out of the drug uh, and he was very, very uh, fucking under the influence. And like the Baron's like fucking just like just touching himself, thinking about torturing him. Like, oh, don't worry, we'll fucking wake you up. Don't worry, don't worry, you're gonna be awake for the torture. You're not you're gonna feel every second of it, guy. Woo! Let's fucking go. Um. So yeah. Um. Their their death was whatever. Um, the smuggler and Mapes' death, they were interesting. Um, I felt like they didn't, I don't, I felt like they didn't need to die, but they also didn't really serve much of a purpose going forward either way. So they're not a vital death. They're not super, they're, they're, they're definitely secondary supporting characters. Yeah. Like, you know, you have your main characters, Paul, Jessica, the Duke, at least at the start of the story until he gets fucking murdered. Uh, well, I guess he commits suicide, but whatever. The... Uh, and then you have the supporting characters, Duncan Idaho, Thufir Howat, fucking um, Gurney Halleck. You have the sad boy crew. Yeah, the sad boy crew. <laughs> the Duke's men, whatever you want to call them. Um, and, you know, Leah plays like a semi supporting character. Um, the Baron, you know, he's a vital character. He doesn't appear that much in the story. He appears less in book two. Uh, he appeared a little bit more than I remembered in book one, uh, but whatever. That yeah, it's what happened. But um, he has his own supporting characters: his guard captain, and then his new guard captain, who's addicted to the drug. He had Peter DeVries. You have uh, the twisted mentat. He now has Thufir Hawat in his possession, who will be a supporting character for him going forward. You have his nephews, Rabban the Beast, who was a previous was the previous ruler of Arrakis. Uh, that's where he earned the title the beast because he was brutal to the people under his thumb and his other nephew the na baron who is his heir na meaning heir uh the na baron uh fade rautha fade rautha is a name i like yeah fade rautha i think it 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 it, it fits his character as well because he's described as being this lean almost antithesis to the Baron, but, and the Baron's also sexually attracted to s small, skinny boys. Right. Um, it, it's talked about, I, we didn't really touch on it, but Damn. he, um, he uh, likes to murder little skinny boys. And at one point before the invasion of Arrakis, he asks for them, him to bring them one of his slaves, the one that looks like the Duke's son. Oh. Man, that's fucking weird. And he comments, or he, one of his internal monologues, which is again, you know, it's important. We haven't really talked about it. I touched on it a lot in episode one, the internal monologue. But he talks about it in his internal monologue when the Baron decides to, you know, murder Jessica and Paul by sending them out into the desert. That it is a shame to waste such a, like, basically elfin figure. It's like a twink. <laughs> the Baron energy. likes murdering twinks. Yeah. Um, he has a type. He has a type, and he's a vicious... He knows what he likes. He's a vicious fucking person. Um, but yeah, they're, they're really... Uh, they're, I guess that's about it for the characters and the, 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 the plot points. Oh, I didn't talk about my favorite part. My favorite parts were Paul fucking 
busts that guy's fucking ventricle with the tip of his foot <laughs> while he's turning sideways as he's thrown out of the fucking ornithopter. Yo, that shit's fucking awesome. Fucking hardcore. Yo, it's so fucking cool to be honest. Like I geek, I geeked about it. <laughs> I'm geeking about it a little bit right now. But you know, it's awesome as fuck, man. Um, but yeah, I guess that's. Uh, do we have anything else we're gonna talk about? Not for book one, I guess. Book one. Ah, we didn't even get to those guys. That's it. All right, we'll have to edit this part out. Also, but whatever. Um, so yeah, that's the end of episode two. I almost called it one. Thanks for sticking with us for an hour and 50 fucking minutes. Uh, <laughs> you might have to listen to these in like chunks. I apologize, but you know, um, this time it was a lot of content. Yeah, Sorry. it was a lot more fun. <laughs> Last episode was a little stale. I know, so I get sorry. it, but it was a shorter episode. It was only 47 minutes, I think, 45, whatever. I got some editing to do, some little magic. Ooh. But thanks for uh, sticking with us. Catch us uh, on the next episode. Uh, we're going to try to do it in two weeks. Every two weeks, we're going to try to release an episode. We're looking at Fridays right now is the release date. The first episode we're probably we haven't dropped it yet we're recording this before we drop the first episode we'll probably not be on a friday but we're gonna going forward we're gonna try to release them on fridays every other week thanks bye